Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. Welcome to the podcast. Today I am joined by Dr. Joya Griffin from Animal Dermatology Clinic in Louisville, Kentucky. Dr. Griffin and I talk about the importance of connecting personally with our clients. We know dealing with dermatology cases, they're often chronic and clients can be really frustrated with the money, the time, the commitment of dealing with these cases that often can't be cured. So really taking the time to not only just communicate with owners effectively, but actually connect on a personal level just really makes a difference in managing these cases and something I really enjoy talking with Joya because it's something she is very passionate about. So I hope you gain just a ton of insight in how we handle these cases. Chronically, we might have to manage the cases and that can be frustrating, but we can connect with the owners and really become friends and dealing with these cases in the long run. Well, thank you guys for joining me for another episode of the Derm Vet Podcast. I am so excited to have a fellow vet mom and a fellow ADCer, which is what we call our little our little animal dermatology clinic group, um, Dr. Joya Griffin to the podcast, who practices out of Animal Dermatology Clinic in Louisville. Did I say that right, Louisville? That's always controversial. Oh. Well, we don't need to start out controversial Louisville, and you have to sort of say it like you have your mouth full of marbles Louisville but and I know Louisville's not right Louisville's right. not right Louisville is obviously not right <laughs> um, and then Louisville Louisville <laughs> so there's a cute little shirt you can buy that has the different pronunciations the wrong and the right but it took me a while when I used to go like through drive-thrus um, and I'd order something and they'd say, you're not from here. And I'm like, how do they know? Can they see my plate? <laughs> and they'd say, well, you just, we can just tell from, I, I don't even know how they knew, but they knew. So, so <laughs> when I moved to Portland, which, oh my gosh, it's almost Crazy. been five years now. Um, there is a street in downtown Portland and a lot of stuff that is spelled C-O-U-C-H. And so I would go around and ask people like, Hey, that's where are we on couch street? Well, it's cooch. Apparently it's like a guy who's been like around here and is very well known. And that's how they can tart and same with like, yeah, that's how they pick out the people who aren't really from here. And then there's a river, the Willamette, which goes through, but the way that it's spelled, it looks like, like Willamette, like they're the same way they can just like point out they're like yeah. you're not from even um there's a street our old clinic used to be on it's blake and baker but for some reason to me it looked like blankenbacher <laughs> and i said it so many times and forrest would just be in tears about you know and the way that the different highways are are uh referred to they that's also a way you can tell someone's not from here so. well all we're learning is that just people like take are really uh, protective of their cities and their towns yeah I guess isn't like the worst thing in the world, but now I, now I got it down. So now I can look like an official Louisville. Oregonian. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> and now once you come here, I'll teach you. Yeah. Perfect. Louisville. That sounds good. <laughs> um, well, so I'm actually really excited about today's topic and it's one that you were really passionate about um, us discussing today. And that is, so I've talked about client communication in previous episodes of the podcast, 
But I mean, I've actually heard from numerous people, you know, Dr. Millie, who I work with now, but you helped to train and you worked with them Louisville (laughs) (laughs) and, um, Dr. Jeff Tinsley, who's your current resident, but has been on the podcast. And I will say both of them without me asking, like collectively raved about you and your ability to really connect with clients. I love it. And also makes me laugh. (laughs) Yeah. But that's a wonderful thing. Like, you know, what a good thing to be known about. I'm always known as the person who's really loud. Yeah. So <laughs> you get to be known about the person who has really good personal connection. I think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know how it started. Um, I like to talk a lot. So that's probably part of it. You know, I like to talk a lot. And uh, when the clinic was growing and it was smaller, you know, we had fewer appointments. So I could spend a lot of time just talking to people. And uh, I like to ask leading questions and, or, just ask them questions when they tell me things. And I think that's kind of some, some of how it starts. I mean, however it started, I think it's a great thing because especially now, which we're going to talk a little bit about, right? Like in this world where even you and I just gabbed for 20 minutes before we started recording, it's like, we're all craving. I mean, I I am. Yeah. We're craving connection. We're craving some form of, you know, whatever normal is or will be we're craving that. So I think like to, to think that people can go see their veterinary dermatologist and, you know, actually personally get to know them is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I think for me, I always wanted to, well, I just me outside of veterinary medicine. I always like to just connect with people. I am a people person. I remember even stemming back to prior to vet school when people would ask, you know, why do you want to be a vet? And a lot of people will answer, it's because I love animals and I don't really want to work on people. And I'm sure you've had colleagues and, you know, people will say that, or I think people will assume that you don't like people that much. And for me, it was, that was never the case. Like I loved people and I could have seen myself going into human medicine, but I really, you know, had a passion for um, animals and that's what drew me into the field. But I probably could have equally and as successfully gone into human medicine and just done as as well. And it wasn't, for me, it was never, I hated people. And sometimes, unfortunately, we hear our colleagues might say that. And sometimes I think they don't really, they don't really mean it, but they do sometimes say that. Um, and so I, you know, I don't know, like just goes all the way back to, I guess, I was always in like student organizations and then I was an RA and like, I just loved doing things like that. And then as a vet, like the veterinary medicine for me is like a small part of it. And a lot of it's about empathy and like understanding where someone is and how frustrated they feel and, you know, what their um, goals and their desires are for their pet. And then me trying to be understanding of that and, um, you know, trying to help them move past whatever the issues are. So I, um, if I can, I try to find some kind of commonality in the room and you can't do it with everyone, you know, and some people are very close. They come in, they're angry and you can tell from their body language that you're not going to be able to make a connection, but I still try, you know? So, yeah, I, I mean, I love that. And I feel like, um, this is probably why if we didn't try to put some sort of endpoint to the podcast, it would be like a four hour podcast. Cause I'm the same way. Like yeah. love to talk. I, I used to tell people that too. people would say, well, why do you want to become a vet? Is it because you love animals? And I said, yes. And people too. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's both. It's, it's guiding people. It's helping them through that. Um, so I t- totally agree with you. And, I think, and do, do you agree that if you, if you do go into it kind of closed minded where you're like, I'm just here to help the animals, then you miss the, the largest part of it because our patients, it's sort of like pediatric medicine. I mean, we really have to deal with the client even more so than if 
our patients could talk. And so um, if you can't have good, you know, client communication skills and try to make a connection with them, they'll just find another, another vet down the street. Like it's not, oh. not back. And that's, I think the personal connection is what, and you doing a great job, of course, but that's part of what makes someone come back to you. Yeah. If you, you can know everything that diagnostically and treatment wise has to happen to that animal. But if you can't have that owner understand why and be willing to invest not only money, but time and, you know, their sanity and everything into that plan and they're on board with you, it won't happen. So yeah. even if you know everything that should happen, if you can't convince the owner why that needs to happen, then you're, mm-hmm. we're not going to be able to help that animal. Yeah. So I, I completely agree with you. And so, you know, for us, I think kind of the hard, the hard thing with dermatology and why a lot of people don't like it. And maybe because you and I are connection people and talkers, well, this is why we do like it is that these things are often chronic and lifelong, the diseases that we're dealing with, you know, it's very rare that we end up not continuing to need to see a patient. Hearing so, it right away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when we have people who come in the door and it's say their first time, it's their initial visit, you know, we haven't, we're, we're completely clean slate for them as far as them knowing us, knowing our personality, knowing our children, you know, depending on how deep you get with clients, but we're having to set them up with that expectation of you're not going to just see me once or twice. Like this is going to be a long-term thing how do you really connect or navigate that first discussion with a client so you can connect with them? Um, I mean, I think initially, if it is something that's chronic, I try to let them know that, you know, this is something that we're in collaboration with together and the better that we can um, be with communicating and being honest about, you know, the treatments and the, sometimes even the cost of course of things, I think people are going to be more on board with it. If you're honest up front, um, I guess one of the diseases that always comes to mind is pemphigus. Um, I always, you know, let people know like this may not get better right away and I'm definitely not going to be able to cure it. So we're going to need to be on point with our, you know, our communications with even over the phone and then you coming back for rechecks. I think you and I probably both had those cases that don't come back. Mm-hmm. So you can see the animal, but they might call you or, you know, there's, there's lots of potential for drug side effects with that disease um, treatment. So there's a lot that can go wrong, but if you establish that relationship where they understand that one, this isn't going to be a right away fix, but two, they have to commit also to one communicating, you know, what's going on with the pet, but also bringing it in. Cause you really need to see him again. So that's one that I always, in the beginning, I'm like, listen, <laughs> like, if we both do this poorly, it's going to go poorly. Like we have to, you know, have a commitment to, to be in here. And then I also, I try to, when I offer some of the treatments, um, be open to hearing people say, no, that's not going to work for me. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is not, um, it's not easy. You know, I have a parent of small children. If you, and we have a dog right now that is, he's better now, but when he was younger, he was a little itchy. And my husband said, do you think he's too paritic? And I'm like, well, he scratches, but what do you, what should I do with my four month old itchy puppy? Probably a diet trial. Yeah. It's not really going to happen here. It's just not going to happen. Like it would have to be this dog confined to a small space, you know, 
20 hours a day and I, I just can't do it right now. And he's actually been getting better. So whatever, it's fine. But like, <laughs> I knew in myself that that wasn't something possible for our family and I'm open and willing. And I try to ask those questions. Well, do you have small children? You know, is, is, is your husband like to treat the pet all the time? Do you think you can do this diet trial? Like, I always try to ask that, even though that I know that that's the best recommendation. Um, I tell them it's a real world situation. It's fine. It's totally fine. You know, especially people that have multiple cats, like they can't often, can't always, I should say not often, but they can't always do proper diet trials. You know, those kinds of things. I try to like be understanding of it and just let the, let people off the hook. You know, I had a client just the other day that told me I wanted her to increase the frequency of her immunotherapy. And she just straight up said, I cannot do that. <laughs> she was like, I have too many other things. I have another ailing pet. It's, and I said, well, is he, uh, do you take him to the vet to get the shots? And she's like, no, I do them at home. I just cannot do, I cannot add another thing to the list. And I said, fair enough. Thank you for telling me. And I told her, thank you. Because sometimes people will just, um, you know, they just take what the doctor tells them and then they go home and don't do it. <laughs> you know, when maybe I have another option for them that might be easier or we just say, okay, that's fine. Let's try this instead. You know. I think that's one of the most important things when dealing with dermatology in these chronic cases, honestly. And there, uh, there's a behaviorist, Dr. Pockel, who I do a lot of uh, webinars and lecturing with over, you know, over grooming cats and the differences yeah. between behavior and dermatology. We both have the same saying. So I mentioned him because he'll, he'll claim I stole it, but we both actually were saying the same thing. Um, and it works either way is the best plan is the one that will get done. And so, yeah. you know, for us, if we send home, we already send home a lot of stuff right? Like even if we're trying to limit it, it's usually some sort of topical. Let's just take like a typical right. allergy dog, right? Some sort of topical. We want them on good flea prevention in most areas of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, plus or minus, are we changing the food, whether it's a food trial or some sort of skin supportive diet, mm -hmm. uh, you know, then maybe we want an allergy test, but we need symptomatic care at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we're reaching for some sort of anti and, <laughs> yeah, and then there's like an infection. And, you know, so I do also have, a itchy puppy. Why do they find us like this? It's like, they're so smart. Well, my mentor used to say that sometimes it was due to, um, just like intestinal parasite load. And it was, you know, this antigenic response. You just needed, needed to like wait it out. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he would say in really young puppies. And this dog was, it was loaded with worms. I mean, it was ridiculous. The most disgusting thing I'd ever oh. seen. And so I'm just sort of waiting it out because <laughs> that's what I keep hearing Dr. Miller in my head, just to ignore it when they're really young like that. <laughs> Well, I, our itchy puppy is almost 11 months now and it's okay, no years a little older. <laughs> yeah. It's no better. And we yeah. did try to diet trial and I, I hear you. It was, it was tough. Like I did the best I could. It was not a hundred percent. And you know, in talking about connecting with clients, I, in a weird way, almost like that we had to battle through that diet trial because when I do, and I'm with you, like right now we're recording this podcast, what, like it's a week before Thanksgiving. And so yeah. when I have yeah. owners I'm seeing right now, I'm asking them like, you yeah. know, are I, you having people I, over? Yeah. Can you, can you do it? <laughs> Is Christmas Thanksgiving going to be, and some people are like, oh yeah, my dog, it's nothing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like they're very yeah. strict. And others are like, there is no way that is happening right mm -hmm. now. So I'm with you. Like I absolutely ask, like, I think topical and diets are the two things that yes. can be like, can yes. you do something like bathe this frequently? Cause bathing is mm -hmm. a big commitment. Can you change the food? Um, and know that at the end of eight weeks, we'll know if we're better for it because we actually could be strict. 
So mm-hmm. when I have clients who feel guilty that they can't do those things, like say they have small children, I almost like that. I had to struggle through it myself. So I'm like, I get it. Like yeah. I do this for a living and right. it was a huge struggle for us to get through that trial. And it wasn't totally strict. Yeah. So having like you that experience, have that empathy too. Yeah. You have that empathy for them. And yeah, um, I think clients kind of appreciate that too. And you, it gives them some ownership over their pets care, you know, when they are, they are cho- really choosing, they're not just like, and I, and I think that's part of it too. I've I always like for the owner to choose, <laughs> like, I don't want to just make them do it. I want them to understand why I'm recommending it, but then them to take ownership of, of the treatment plan also, because I think they'll be more vested in it and the shampoo won't just sit on the, <laughs> on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, even asking questions like, is this dog, will it bite you if you put the wipes on its feet? <laughs> like they're, those are real and I always like to use the word, this is a real world situation. It's okay. <laughs> like it's, you're not the only one. Yeah. Okay. I so. say the same thing to clients when they ask, you know, certain things that they should be doing and say they can't do it. I say, you know what, there's like the textbook answer. And then there's the real world answer. Mm-hmm. There's like yeah. the textbook answer where if we could, you know, put your dog or cat in a vacuum and say, someone will totally take care of all the finances and take care of all the treatments and, you know, do exactly what I write on a piece of paper like this would be the plan. But then when mm-hmm. it comes to maybe that's not in your budget, you know, maybe that's not, maybe we can't allergy test quite yet, but you know, I had someone recently where they said, I totally want to do it. I have to wait till I get my bonus, but I, that's what I want to do with my bonus at the end of the year. No mm-hmm. problem. Like let's get, keep your pet comfortable for two months and then we will work our way up to that. But I think also not only, you know, is it being empathetic to the client? I think it actually develops a lot of trust with that client too. Yeah. When they hear you say, can you do this? And they say, not really. I know I can't. And you say, okay, that's okay. Let's find the alternative. I, I think mm-hmm. it instills trust because then they know you have their best interest at mind and you're not there just to spend every nickel and dime they have. If we can work mm-hmm. around it. And that's not going to, like you said, that shampoo bottle, that the Medicaid shampoos are not cheap compared to other right. over-the-counter shampoos. Like if all of a sudden they realize that you're not just there to take their money for something they can't do. I think that instills a lot of future trust when we're dealing with these chronic diseases that they really do need to trust you to keep coming back, spending the time and money to manage that pet. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And so another thing as dermatologists that um, I think pretty much all of us love and preach up and down about is cytology, but we know cytology, you know, it's something that, I mean, I'm doing in almost every case walking in the door, right? um, as I would assume like most dermatologists are, and you know, that also is another cost that adds up over time. Um, But it's something that we are always wanting to do. So for something that you're having to do, you know, repeatedly in these cases, even when they're looking pretty good, when you talk about connecting to an owner, what's a way that you kind of discuss that as something that really is beneficial for their pet to have this test done over and over and over again through the life of treating them? Yeah. At the initial appointment, I think we, the staff are also pretty good at that. Um, even before the client comes in the, in the building, explaining to them like what to expect. Like usually we're going to do an exam with cytology, not always, but most of the time. So they're already kind of, okay, well, what's this cytology thing? And then when they come in, I try to explain it. You know, this is a way that I can look and see what type of infection is there to help me choose best, you know, which way to go, whether this is bacteria or yeast. And then, you know, if we've diagnosed them with 
say a bacterial infection, then we need to follow up and see how things are coming along and make sure that the infection is all resolved so that you don't have to see, you know, relapse or have um, uh, an infection that is not all the way, you know, treated properly. So I think that um, we talk about it. My staff also back that up. So when they are rechecking or calling clients to remind them of their rechecks, they often will mention that if they see that the patient's on antibiotics, that they'd be coming back in. But I just let them know that this is, this is you know, what I'm skilled in doing so that I can best treat your pet. Otherwise, I tell them I'm just guessing. <laughs> like I'm really just guessing. And I'm looking and you know, sometimes things can be deceptive. As you know, you can look at a lesion and it looks like it's good and then you you know do cytology on it it's actually really badly infected still so um i i i think just being up front really in the beginning because i think that's really what a lot of people don't like about their vet and what sometimes clients will say is that they 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 just didn't have the expectation to spend a certain amount but if you let them know that this is what this is for and this is you know what this next appointment will entail i think they at least, you know, it's not that, that they don't have that sticker shock also. So they, they kind of are prepared for it. I don't know. What do you guys usually do to, what do you think helps? I, same. I think expectations, everything. And you hit on something that I actually think is crucial to connection. And that is the realization that our clients are not just connecting with us as the doctors, but they're connecting to our staff. staff yeah. Yeah. So I think that's actually super important. I, I have lots of clients who come in and, you know, they're talking to the technicians and the receptionists almost more than me sometimes like in between. Oh yeah. Yeah. Messages. Mm -hmm. So I think really having everyone on board with the way that that cult, the culture of our practice is going to be like for us, we do love really being connected to the client. We really do love setting expectations and working with the client. Um, so I actually think that was a really important point you brought up was that when we talk about connection and we're going to dive deeper into that, the staff have their own connection with these clients and these mm -hmm. patients too. And so if you have yeah. confident staff that can back up, you know, for us, the way that our flow works is, you know, they call a receptionist, obviously they make the appointment. So mm -hmm. that's their first interaction as a receptionist. So if the receptionist is going to feel really confident in the doctors at that practice, cause you know, sometimes they'll call and say like, who should I see? Or, you know, how yeah, do you yeah. see this? If they feel really confident about, you know, the medicine that's practiced at the clinic and if they feel confident in that exam fee, since we're a specialist, you know, our exam fee is going to be a bit higher. So they don't mm -hmm. have to kind of say, oh, well, our exam fee is this price. Like they tell them exactly what our exam fee is when yeah. they come in. Yeah, that there will be, yeah there'll be future, there's going to be diagnostics done at that exam, but we can provide you an estimate once the doctor sees the pet. So I think that expectation set right away. And we have, we've had clients call to set an appointment. They hear that initial exam fee and they say, I don't think I can do that right now. Or right. that's, you know, that's maybe we're not the best place for them to be seen. Yeah. So I agree with you saying that expectations important. Um, but also for our technicians, they're the ones that often are giving the estimates. So we see the pet mm -hmm. and say, we're going to have a really big estimate because maybe we need to cytology and culture and, you know, put them on all these medications and bathing. And all of a sudden we're talking about several hundred dollars, um, yeah. to have our staff feel confident and, and know exactly what those tests are. So for me, if I know I'm going to have to culture a pet, I try to explain to an owner the difference between a cytology and culture, because that can be super uh, yeah. confusing, right? When they see both of those on the bill, 
They're like, well, Mm -hmm. I thought you guys already knew it was bacteria. That's why she called me. So not Mm -hmm. only do I try to explain it, but I make sure my staff is trained on it so that when they're going over their estimate and they see this culture, that's a couple hundred dollars. Like they understand the difference between that and the cytology. Mm-hmm. So I actually thought you brought up a really, really important point. And that is the fact that not only do we want connection of us as the doctors diagnosing their pet and managing them, we want our staff to also feel connected and feel open to feeling mm-hmm. confident in what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, some of it takes, I think, just experience. Um, we hired we hired a new and training, of course, but we hired um, a couple new staff members this summer and it was, it's like, you forget, it's almost like having a new puppy. You forget how long it actually takes to train someone in this specific subspecialty, you know, like they could be a great technician in ER or a great receptionist at another, you know, practice. And then when they come into Durham, I mean, there is a little bit of a learning curve with doing all of those skills that uh, a more seasoned technician may, you know, not even think twice about. And I do have some older, um, I shouldn't say older, but some staff that have been with me, you know, 10, 13 years along with me since I started there and they are amazing. Like, but they've seen it, they've done it and they have confidence in our practice. They know why we're doing specific tests. They are excellent at, um, you know, backing those kinds of things up over the phone. But I think ultimately the veterinarian has to have the staff's back and the staff have to have their back. And it's like a, you know, it's a relationship even, even there with how we communicate with the clients. But I have some clients that I, I truly think like my staff better than me. <laughs> like they'll, they'll ask by name, let me speak to Laura, you know, or, or whoever. And they, they just, um, you know, they build that rapport. And I, I think that's great. And I think that's one reason why I loved um, dermatology because it was, you know, so akin to general practice medicine where you build those relationships over years, you know, I mean, years. And now that I've been in practice for 10 years with animal dermatology clinic, I mean, I've seen my patients like, you know, from young, you know, one, two years of age to middle age to, you know, living out their lives. And it's, it's uh, kind of a bittersweet thing. And, you know, I like it. And I think it's um, what sets us apart from some of the other specialties that maybe have a a smaller um, time of relationship with the client and the pet because they've fixed it, they cut it, it's done. Yeah. I remember, you know, um, both of us are moms and going through my pregnancies was always really funny in the clinic. Cause like, I would have people that would just like on my maternity leave, they would just like be holding out so hard until I got back, like to bring their pet back. Or, you know, they were the ones that, uh, gave me like the most like baby gifts, you know, once they found out what I'd have. So it is, it's really, and I had some that, you know, even say I had a couple where even when their pet passed, like they still wanted to call and see how things were going. They were asking my advice about what animal they should, they could get. Um, and so it really is, it's really, you know, like you said, it's bittersweet. Cause you have some clients that it's, we have our tough clients too, that have a hard time wrapping their head around the fact that it is chronic. We can't just fix it. You know, why are they having an ear infection again? So it's, it is totally bittersweet because you can't just fix it and be done. But the ones that you really onboard, like the clients you really get to understand, I just think it is the best specialty because you really do like create this skin and ears for the most part are so visual. So they really are on your team. And I like to tell owners, like you're the expert at home, but I'm the expert here. So if you can tell me when things are happening, the faster I know, the better. See it sooner than I do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, you're absolutely right there. I think the other thing that, um, that I 
with just part of the empathy, I mean, it helps if you have, like you're saying, an itchy pet, because <laughs> what got me in this whole field was this, you know, itchy Lhasa named Gizmo. And when people talk about it, I'm like, yeah, I had a dog like that, you know, like understanding, you know, what they're going through and being able to say, well, I've, you know, skin tested my dog, I've done immunotherapy, like sometimes those things are helpful, um, you know, with that. But the other thing that I always try to do when you, you know, when you do have what made me think of this, um, a difficult client calls and they're upset because the pet's not instantly better and they're frustrated. And I all I get on the phone and I say, Mrs. Johnson, I understand that you're frustrated. I get it. I'm frustrated too. Like your cat is a tough case. You know, like I and it is. And usually these are cases that we've tried everything on. I'm frustrated too. My first, my second, my third choice of treatment is failing. You know, I'm phoning friends. Like I, you know, there are cases that are like that. Yeah. And sometimes it's, you know, maybe it's a failure on my part, the owner's part, or maybe it truly is a bad case, you know, yeah. and I, I always, when people are angry or they're just more so unhappy that the pet is still suffering, I always try to commiserate with that and just say, you know, I, I understand this is frustrating. And I think if people just really want to be validated, like everybody wants to be validated and heard. And if you can just, you know, even though they may be coming at you or it, uh, it's insulting or frustrating for you. I think just in our position, it helps to kind of diffuse things by just saying, I understand. I hear what you're saying. I would be angry too. I understand, but let me, and then just explain your side of things and what your plan is moving forward. Yep. Uh, Ding, ding, ding. I think it's like such an important thing. I always, when I lecture about like client communication, I say empathize and relate. So if you have people, I find like 95% of the time, if someone calls really upset and frustrated, doesn't mean I'll make them happy by talking to them. But I feel like I can usually diffuse it by saying, I completely understand this is Mm -hmm. frustrating. Like I've had my own allergic pet or, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll tell, I I agree with you. Like I'll tell owners when their pets, a tough case, like just recognize, you know, that I'm like, I I had this one dog where I'm like, you're in my top five right now. Like really difficult cases. I am struggling. I am struggling with. And honestly, this there's validation to that. I think about it when we were right before we got on, we were talking about my daughter and how much of a struggle she was as far as sleep and hallelujah, she's doing better. But, um, I felt validated when our sleep consultant was like there. I remember we went through all these things, all these things, all these things, she would kind of get better. And then she'd regress back. And I was frustrated and not even at the sleep consultant, but just like at the situation. And I was just like, and she goes, your daughter's tough. She's like, yeah. this is not normal. <laughs> this is even for She's the people move I mountains with. one day though. She'll move mountains. So don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. So <laughs> I wonder where she gets signs of a, from. Yeah. There's signs <laughs> of a strong-willed child. <laughs> oh, shocker. I'm sure every, my parents would be surprised <laughs> by that, but, um, but yeah, I, yeah, I did feel validated because it, you know, it just validated the situation that it wasn't that I was doing anything wrong. I was doing, we were doing what she, we were being told that the sleep consultant was trying as hard as she was. It's just like medicine, every case is different. And so I really do think the empathizing and validation is super important tonight. And no matter what the personality type is of that client, mm-hmm. I actually do think for the most part, if you give them that validation, there is some sort of peace now, you know, there's yeah. some yeah. that won't, but yeah. I, I, people, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I think the other, the other part of it too, is when you stick with them and they stick with you and then you do get that patient to a better, more comfortable state, or you get their you know, autoimmune disease into remission, like, you know, sometimes they'll call back and they'll be so like, 
you know, happy and pleased. And I, and I say, thank you for sticking with me. And that's so, <laughs> so simple, but you know, now a lot of things are over the phone. So you can't have those verbal clues or which normally you would. And so I find myself recently being on the phone and being like, thank you for sticking with me. Cause a yeah. lot of people would have given up on that dog. And I say, thank you for sticking with your pet. Cause a lot of people will give up on it. And I know it's a sacrifice of time, um, whether it's, you know, going to the vet all the time or, the time of treatment. And then of course the cost, and even if cost, you know, means nothing to them, they still had to emotionally stick with, you know, with that animal. So I always say that it always seems corny, but thank you for sticking with me and believing in me because <laughs> I told you I'd get it better, but it wasn't going to be right away. Yeah. <laughs> so I, no, that's, I think that's great. <laughs> I think honestly, it comes down to the validation too. in that, like all the hard work they've put on, I'll put that in discharge instructions. Like besides just saying it, I'll write like, you've done a great job or yeah. yeah, thanks for, you know, taking the time to really work with me for your pet. Or, I mean, I think that matters because then if you can show them like, Hey, we did this, we accomplished this together. Like we made it, you know, inevitably even our really well-controlled cases could flare, you know, whether it's later or a year later. So Mm -hmm. they can kind of remember, like we've done this once, like we can do it again. again. (laughs) I think that's really important. And you brought up something that I do want to make sure that we talk about um, on this episode, and that is the struggle just with curbside service and COVID-19, because I know for me, and I get the impression you're similar, like, you know, we're people, we're people, we're person, people, 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 we love people. And I honestly think that, and maybe this is just from like doing a lot of public speaking or just loving to talk like you, I feel like I'm a real, like better in person, right? Like I can, I've got, yes. I think good body language. I yeah. can feel confident. Like I can write things on a whiteboard and now yes. we have lost that like being curbside. And you know, even if you do try to do some video chatting and some stuff where they can see you, there's still, it's different. It's so different. it is. And we're mostly phone. Um, mm-hmm. we do some like video teleconsulting, mm-hmm. but how do you, how, what challenges have that shown for you and still connecting with that client personally, but not actually being in the same room with them? I, I truly mourned the loss of my practice style at the beginning of COVID. Um, I felt really out of sorts. I did not like talking to people on the phone. I mean, there are some things, you know, with just the movement of people in a building and like waiting for an exam room and, you know, that's eliminated. And so there are some things that are faster, but by, and by far my day does not go faster just because I have to use the phone. In fact, sometimes, cause I think people think that, oh, well, vets don't want clients in their buildings. You know, it's easier. It's not seeing the clients. And I think it's harder, you know, just like you're saying, because you can't, you can't be in the exam room and see that someone's arms are closed, you know, crossed or that they seem uncomfortable or that they're just not getting it because their faces you frowned. Um, you know, I, and you can pick up on all those verbal cues, but on the phone, either you just hear silence or you hear a lot of questions. And I, I find myself actually, because I can't draw on our whiteboard and I can't sense those verbal cues, I find myself over talking. And yeah. so I end up like over explaining things probably, which is hard. And then by the end of the day, I have no more talks. Like I am done talking because we talk even more now, I think with the curbside way. And so um, ways that I try to combat that as I just take my time. Um, you know, I know there's going to be cases that I have to run behind on whenever I have clients that we're going to present an estimate to, I say to them, you know, do you have any additional questions, anything that doesn't make sense to you? 
And then when my technician is going to do this estimate for you, if you have additional questions, like they can help you with those, but I'm happy to get back on the phone. I've also found that with um, COVID there's, and, and probably a little bit when we had clients in the building, but um, you usually are only talking to one client, even though they could call them on three-way, usually you're only talking to one. And so there's a client that's missing. So I always let them know, you know, I'm going to write out a little plan for you. And that's also going to go to your vet. So there, there's going to be, you know, something written down that can help, but call me tomorrow <laughs> if you have questions. And we, we do, if we have time, try to call back some of those trickier cases to, you know, make sure that everything's okay, that the client understands. Cause it's very overwhelming. And we talk about you know, so many different things on initial client call that um, over the phone, I think it's lost. And, and I, I do really commiserate with people because I have found as I've gotten older that I'm actually not an auditory learner. I have to learn, I learn by seeing and doing. And um, you could tell me a, a series of three things, but I need to see you do it before I can actually understand what you've just said most of the time. So um, I, I know there's a lot of things lost in translation through just plain, simple verbal communication over a phone. And um, I've seen clients get really frustrated and they become kind of irate because they can't see us. Uh, and it's, it's just not my style. Like I'd, I'd rather be rather be in the exam room and I think things would be a lot easier, but um, those are just some small things that we do. But I think the biggest thing is taking our time and then being a little bit redundant. So the things that I say, my staff are well-trained and they repeat it when they do the estimate, they repeat it when they do the discharge, it's also written down and then we're here to go over it the next day if they still have questions. Yeah, it is it is definitely more difficult for me. I think for the first couple of weeks I had that, you know, the shock of, well, maybe it'll just go faster then, but- It doesn't really, isn't that, it, isn't that the surprising part? It really doesn't. Yeah. It actually feels like it goes slower because there's more- steps of communication yep. verbally that have to go. Yeah. It's so compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. Whereas like I used to go, you know, they used to come in, they, my technicians would get a brief history wait. I would come in kind of have an idea what's going on, but then as I'm looking, like we're chatting you're and then chatting as you're, yes, yeah, you're exam, that's right. Yeah. Well now, for example, like I had a case last week where the owner, um, the dog has little bumps all over and we, had already like biopsied them and you know there's nothing we can really do but remove them and there was like one specific one she wanted removed because the pet kept chewing at it and I was trying to explain to her where I thought it was and and then she explained to me where it was and when I look I'm seeing like three bumps in the area she's explaining and I'm yes. just like can I have my technician bring your yes. dog back out and you to do that. Mm -hmm. literally point out what you want. Cause I'm afraid I'm going to, you know, I feel like we're talking about the right, the same thing, but I don't want to literally take off the wrong nodule. So instead of being in the room, they're like, that's the one and we're done. And you know, like 20 mm -hmm. seconds, it right. was like five to 10 minutes of, okay, like back and forth. Can we, yeah. are we talking about the right thing? Let's just have them come up and show you. And so I do, I miss that flow. I miss that yeah. kind of, you know, control of the flow. Also, I've had owners, like where I try to call them and, you know, sometimes their uh, phone will kick me straight to voicemail or, you know, yes, that or they'll read the book. I've had that happen. Yeah. <laughs> I was just reading, honey. I'm like, well, I'm waiting for you. 
<laughs> yeah. And they, um, I've had some where it's like they went to go run errands or now like their kids are in virtual school. So their kid, you, I hear their kids like, you know, teachers in the background because yeah. they brought virtual school with them. And so I will say if I learned challenges. anything through curbside service, it is to be, I don't know about patient, but like just grace and flexibility. Like yeah. I had a client last week uh, or two weeks ago that came in and they brought the pet to me and we're like, she has a meeting in 20 minutes. And, you know, we set off like an hour yeah. to talk to people. They, they, uh, we have, a, we've had a lot of that. I think because yeah. it's curbside, they think it's drop off. Yeah. So we well, say, well, we'd like for you to remain here and, you know, like, so we can talk and get the appointment done. And um, yeah. yeah, I think it's just, I don't think people really know what to expect and that's okay. I mean, who's lived through a pandemic before? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the greatest part. And, you know, I will say with that particular client, the kind of nice thing, and I think it has we've been dealing with it for so long. Now we're all in this numb phase of it's 2020. What right. show me something I don't like ex- No. And when I got on, cause at first, you know, uh, the thought was, well, that's annoying. Why would you do that? And I was like, you know what? Okay. Let me get on the phone with her and we'll have to keep it short, but let's just chat and see. And then I come to find out she's in healthcare and it was an emergency COVID meeting. She had no control over like distraught that she even, she was embarrassed and distraught that it happened that way timing wise, but she had waited over a month to get in. Yeah. She she didn't want to lose her appointment. And so through that appointment, I said, well, here's like, you know, she was in, in healthcare. So she had some medical background. And so I was able to quickly talk through allergy testing. And I'm like, well, if that's something you're interested in, we can start that. We can get the approval, give you an estimate real quick. And we can start that while you're in your meeting and we can always dive deeper after. And do you know what ended up happening? She was so appreciative. She wanted to do like everything while we were, she was in her meeting and we were allergy testing her dog. Her car died. And so then we called back, I called back to tell her the results and all this other stuff. And she's like, well, my car died. We can have someone come jump it for you. And she's like, my husband's already on the way. And this is the kicker. And this is just awesome. And she goes, I'm actually getting my eyebrows waxed right now. Cause we're in an area that has a, like, we're in a pretty heavily area. She's like, well, if my car died and you have my dog, I figured I might as well get my eyebrows waxed. I was like, you go girl. Like, girl, I know, but it's like that, you know, multitasking, right? Like you try to get like 20 things done in an hour. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, what ended up happening was at the end, she's like, Dr. Bourgeois, I feel like we have bonded over this last hour between like, you know, you taking my pet in, you know, doing all this stuff rush, but you know, cause I had this meeting and then my car died and she was, I feel like we've been on a journey together, but you know, because I was like, I felt like took a step back and said, you know what, let's just see what we can do. Yeah. Hey, if you're going to have a meet a meeting scheduled, like we need to reschedule your appointment, that client's going to be a client who, again, I've built that trust with, cause I tried to work with her. Right. And Absolutely. That's what's most important. And we all have bad days. We all have, you know, frustrating situations with clients, but I feel like if we can take a step back and say, there's something it's same with the angry client, there's something deeper here. Mm-hmm. There's something yes. deeper there's besides something just this. Yeah. And you, and you can't take it personal and you don't, you don't know, you know, what stuff, people are caring exactly like you're saying, like what's going on with her day and just being kind to people, I think is first and foremost. One thing that always comes back to my mind about like showing empathy and kindness to people is my, or just, you know, treating people the way that you would want them to be treated was my dad used to always say like, people are going to, you know, forget 99% of what you say to them, but they're going to always remember how you made them feel. And so I, you know, I've always remembered that. And like that, that's what, who I want to be. Like, I want you to remember that I at least treated you 
kindly. Like they might not remember what I looked like or how smart I was, but at least like, you know, I treated you decently and I gave you the time and the respect. And so I, I always, I always try to do that. I love that. That, I mean, that's important, not only for like how you practice, but life. For life. Yeah. And yes, we, so. we all need more kindness. These days. Oh, I, yes. Like, <laughs> like exclamation point, exclamation, right. like just kindness and empathy for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the last thing I want to ask you, cause again, I just know we could between like being moms of littles and veterinary dermatologists, like we all day. Talk forever. I know. Um, <laughs> and that is like the problem again is like whenever I have other talkers on, it's like, wow, I could just keep going. It's like such a nice break mm-hmm. from my, our kids who've been shockingly quiet this whole time. I heard a little bit, but I hopefully, it's Oh, enough. you did. Okay. Well, hopefully it's all good. <laughs> Um, the last thing I want to ask you is because I've heard so much about how great you are with like personal connection with clients, like just to give people who are listening to the podcast, some advice, like what specific things do you really feel like you try to talk to them about? I know before you've mentioned just like their kids, like kind of going beyond and any, what information about yourself are you willing to talk to them about? Uh, I mean, I am, I'm fairly an open book and I think it's sometimes somewhat embarrassing, um, but I, <laughs> I will share with people pretty much anything. A lot of times, you know, it's whatever's, you know, first and foremost, foremost in my life at the time, which often these days are the kids. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I like to ask questions. I like to ask questions. So if someone says, you know, I was running late. Um, my husband's in the hospital, I'll say, oh, well, why is he in the hospital? And I know that seems so simple, but not every vet does that. And I think sometimes you get so busy in your day. And there's some days where I'm like, I do not have time to find out the whys of your day. But especially with a new client, like I always try to ask, well, well, oh, tell me about that. You know, well, why is he in the hospital? That, oh, no, you know, um, I don't say, well, how many kids do you have? Like, it's not an interview. Like, I think it comes naturally, but people will usually give you some piece of information about themselves. And, and some of it even is just, you know, maybe they have this really foo-foo dog and it's got its hair up in a little bow. And you can say, I just love dogs like this. Like what groomer do you go to? You know, and they might say a certain groomer and then you can say, well, I go to pet station and this is why I go to pet station. I just love it there. And like, tell me about your groomer. I'm kind of looking for a new groomer, like little things like that. Like I could really and some of its personality, I could chat about anything. So it doesn't bother me. I had um, some pain in my side. I, so I started, I think I was just telling my client about a hernia <laughs> that I thought I had, which I didn't, but then they started telling about their hernia surgery, which led to them giving me referrals to doctors. And, <laughs> I mean, it just, it, it, it could literally be anything, but I will use anything that they tell me. And I'll say, well, tell me about that. Or, you know, well, why is that? Or how many kids do you have? Like, it's just, simple things. And a lot of it truly is because I care. And I find that stuff sometimes more interesting than, you know, the zit that the dog has like, yeah. because I <laughs> it that day. So it, it sometimes is a little bit more interesting to me. Um, and then there are certain clients, if I found out like what their specific uh, profession is or the names of their children, if they've given me that kind of thing, like I'll put the notes, you know, in the computer so that I remember who it is. But a lot of times I don't really need need that. Like, I just remember when I see them. And so that's what I worry the most about COVID is that everybody's over the phone right now. And then there's going to be after this year and a half or how long this lasts. And then we start bringing our clients in the building. Everybody's going to be new, like everyone. And then they're going to be like, who are you? And I'm going to be like, who are you? And like, it's just going to be such a mind blow, I think for months and months and months when we start meeting our clients actually for the first time. And 
I, I get how hard it is. Like you're, you're going to a new vet, you've never seen them. They're telling you that, you know, allergy testing is going to cost, you know, some odd hundred dollars. And like, that's gotta be tough. Like I can, I can only imagine how it is. So I'm like you, where you said, you just kind of go with the flow and try to be as patient and give each other grace as much as you can. But, um, asking leading questions, I think is, is helpful, you know, just hearing what they're saying and then being like, Oh, or something silly. I love your bag, you know, like something silly and, you know, and and letting it be genuine and honest, you know, but I, I, I just, you know, I had a client that, um, was kind of having a little bit of hard time to connecting with because usually his husband brought the dog in and when he was, they would come in together, he was less attentive and didn't seem to care what I was saying. And then one day he was in there and he was kind of like reading a magazine. And I said, I love your shoes. Like, where'd you get those shoes? And he like perked up and was kind of like, Oh, you noticed me. And then like, (laughs) then he started telling me about the shoes and he was, you know, chatty Kathy, but before this, like he would just kind of be an accessory to the appointment, you know? Um, So just bringing people in where they are and like figuring out like what the small thing is that you might be able to compliment them on or something that maybe you share with them. That's, you know, like, Oh, I like that too. Or, you know, tell me about that. Like, I think those are like three kind of ways that you might be able to kind of delve into a conversation that makes them also realize that you're not just like maybe a salesman or you know, someone in a white coat, like you're actually a person too. And, um, you know, but that's the stuff that I really love, but it, it makes me run behind. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, I kind of have to go. And I love it too during COVID. Cause I, um, my clients that I've known for a long time, like I actually get on the phone and I am more me, you know, I'm just like, Hey girl, what do you think about this? COVID? <laughs> I know. <laughs> what are your kids doing? NTI too. Like we just like, we start talking and then I'm like, okay, I got to go and talk about your pet. Let's transition. So how's Fluffy doing? Like I find myself doing that with the people that I love and I have a relationship with. So I worry that I won't have exactly the same connection with my clients that I haven't been able to see and make that same, that same connection with. So it's, it's hard. Yeah. I've hard. thought about that actually. Um, I, I, when, everything first happened in March and we started growing curbside. I used to tell clients like, Oh, hopefully at your next recheck, you know, I'll see you or whatever. Now I've had some, yeah. And I've had some where it's like, I've gone, literally we have gone through a journey together. Like we we have taken their pet from some of the ones I started seeing right in March or April. It's like, we have gone through this journey of perfect infections, treated bad allergies, treated allergy testing, doing great. We're coming rechecks and I'm like, I have yet to meet you, you know, know. and it's it uh, sort of becomes like a joke, right? They'll be like, one I, day we'll get to meet each other. I have to I go outside. Like I do go outside sometimes to take the dogs out and meet them, but it, it's, it's not as often as I would like just because the timing and the flow of things don't allow for it. But yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people that I can't wait to meet your face. I know. <laughs> but I think if you do that, and I, and I think it's beyond just the owners, honestly feeling, um, beyond just doing it for the owners, because I want them to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. It honestly keeps my day more interesting. Like if I'm, you know, instead of just like, I'm going to see this case, I'm going to see this case, I'm going to see this case. Like right. I'll, I'm with you. I write little notes in there. Like my family's from Minnesota. So all kinds of hair, like, you know, they mentioned they're from Minnesota or, you know, Wisconsin. I'll make mm-hmm. a note like owner used to live in Wisconsin. Pretty yeah. easy to write. And then the next time they come in, I'll be like, oh my gosh, have you seen that? It's like negative 30 there, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I find it more enjoyable, but I do think I thought about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, we've all kind of hit this mental exhaustion numbness. I do think when we start emerging and getting clients back in the building, we're going to go through another wave of that because 
all of a sudden every client you see is going to be, Oh, this is the first time actually meeting you. So it's almost like you're doing a new first date. It's going to be a lot of first dates over and over again. It'll probably be pretty exhausting. Because now we know the pets, like, because they're saying they're coming in for their rechecks. So there's pets that we know, and then it'll be to make the connection with that pet and the owner when before that pet and the owner were merged, like they just went together. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be different, different and a little a little bit of a challenge, I think, um, yeah. just going back through that transition. But I, I mean, I, I think, you know, the making the connection over the phone, it, it's hard. I mean, you can't have, it's not as conversational. It's more business. It's just about the pet, you know, more just about the pet and, and the treatment plan and all that. So, um, that is harder. That is harder for sure. Yeah. That connection. No matter what the challenge is, when people do start coming back in and though it'll probably be a lot mentally, I'll be ready for it. Cause at, yeah. at one point it's going to have to happen. So like whenever it happens, you know, it'll just be nice. I think if, if this year has taught us anything, we will be like, for me, I will never, I shouldn't say this. Cause I'm sure, you know, we'll go back to normal and within a couple of years, we'll go back to complaining about the same things. But like, for me, I used to travel a lot and like, I'm never going to complain about just like having a flight delayed by like 20 minutes, you know, I'll just be appreciative right. that I'm traveling again or yeah. you know, clients in the building. Like I'll just be appreciative that I just need to remember this year and probably part of next year that we went through all this. And hopefully if anything, it'll teach us just to be more appreciative of things that all of a sudden got stripped away from us and the personal connection. That's yeah. What, what it is. The personal connection is, was stripped. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think people need it, you know, even though we we're so stuck on our phones and, you know, social media and like all of that, I think people still really want real like human connection. And maybe what I was saying was maybe we'll shift to wanting more of that because yeah. people are so isolated and hold away that maybe we will put our phones down a little bit more and jump off of social media a little bit more and just like, you know, sit and enjoy a tea together or, you know, yeah. something that seems like, you know, silly and mundane, but we'll appreciate those things. But yeah, I'm with you with the traveling, especially international travel. I'm like, man, that sounds like it'll never happen again. I know. I will be so appreciative the next time that we get to fly together and hang out at a doctor's meeting in California. Right. It was just a year ago, which is so mind boggling because we saw each other in December and then January and had, you know, such a good time, like reconnecting and everything. And then, um, yeah, we were like sitting having wine and stuff, remember? And then like now I'm like, old days. Never, never see my friends again. I know, I know, it's so true. But yeah. I will say just this last like hour of being able to reconnect has been so amazing. And I'm just yeah. really appreciative <laughs> that you spent some of your day with me to talk about this, that hopefully yeah. other people can kind of learn just how, you know, we connect with people, how we find joy in dealing with these really chronic frustrating cases. Um, and just thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's my yeah. pleasure. We'll do it again sometime. Yeah. Our next topic will be how to get your toddlers to sleep. Oh. <laughs> we don't well, have the answers. Yeah. I would say we're not the two people. <laughs> be like, we have no solutions. We yeah. actually would like to take Colin. <laughs> yes. Can we have people give us advice? I will say as <laughs> I've gotten older, I'm really confident of to say, I don't know. I'm not the person that can tell you that. Well, that's why I asked you. I was like, so did it work? <laughs> I have no solutions. <laughs> uh, well, next time, next time we'll do that over a glass of wine. That's so funny. Well, thank you, Joya, for being on today. You're welcome.
Well, I really hope you guys enjoyed the episode of the podcast. It's definitely a topic I am passionate about and talking to another dermatologist who's passionate about it, like Joya is, was honestly just a treat and we honestly probably could have talked for hours. I want to encourage you guys to rate the podcast, um, hopefully a positive review, just to continue encouraging getting it out there and having veterinarians learn more about managing dermatology cases. The other thing I wanted to remind you guys about is if you check out my website, thedermvet.com, that is an area I centralize a lot of my information. I'm working on getting more blog content up, but also you can subscribe for my email newsletter, which I send out once a week. And there's going to be some exclusive content going out there in the next couple of months. So if you head to the dermvet.com, you can subscribe to that newsletter and learn more fun dermatology tips until next time, grab your cytologies and keep communicating and connecting with your owners.